this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Over the next three podcasts, we're going to be looking at the topic of financial fruitfulness. In fact, today specifically, we're going to be asking the question, how does God view financial fruitfulness? We're going to be looking at questions such as, should we share in the financial fruitfulness that we have? In other words, should we enjoy the financial fruits of our labor? We're going to be looking at questions like, does God want and expect us to be financially fruitful? And um, does God think wealth is bad? Is wealth dangerous to us? These are the questions that we're going to be answering today. So I look forward to you listening in and learning with me more about financial fruitfulness. About what God expects from my money. And it's changing my life completely, entirely. I'm going to tell you some things that you may have never, ever heard before. Uh, that a financial advisor may have never told you before, that you may have never focused in on the Bible before. So I'm excited today for you and I to learn together about financial fruitfulness. Please come the next two Sundays. If you just listen just today, you're not going to get it all. So please make it a point to commit to yourself to come for the next two Sundays so that you can get a full, broad picture of what we're going to be talking about. Let me tell you about Brother Corn. Have you ever heard of Brother Corn before? Brother Corn was this farmer, I believe, from Kansas. He had a big old pot belly. Nothing against people with pot bellies, all right? Um, he wore a big old cowboy hat. He had a big old buckle, big old cowboy boots, and he didn't, he wasn't good at public speaking, but he got up in front of this church that had about 6,000 people, and I was one of the people in the, in the church that day, and Brother Corn went on to explain how he gave 90% of his income to God and kept 10% for himself. Now, you'd say, that sounds flipped, right? Aren't we supposed to give God 10% and we live off of 90%? But that wasn't the case. Brother Corn had learned the secret of financial fruitfulness, and he gave hundreds of thousands of dollars as a Kansas farmer man to the kingdom of heaven. Brother Corn, amazing. And he, he told of his whole story. I'm not going to tell you all the details because I can't remember them. Let me tell you of another guy. I'm going to keep him anonymous because he hasn't given me permission to tell you his story, but I'll tell you about him. Um, it's possible that nobody here knows him anyways. But this gentleman has a business, and he gives 90% of his profits to a nonprofit Christian organization that helps churches and he keeps 10%, 10% for himself. He is financially fruitful. Let me tell you of another person. We watched a movie about him last Sunday night. I wish all of you could have been here. His last name's Mully. He's a Nigerian. And this man was a multi-multi-millionaire in Kenya. And God got a hold of his life, and he said, forget it all. I'm going to give it all to the Lord. He gave it all to the, not 90%, he gave it all to the Lord, and now his orphanage and his farm gives, uh, actually sells produce to the European market. 
you say, how on earth do these, and these guys are ordinary people, all of them are, how do these ordinary people accomplish such amazing financial feats? What is it about them? Well, there's some spiritual principles that I'm learning right now that can cause you, and you, and you, I'm pointing, not, you know, I'm pointing at people, but all of you, every single last one of you, to be financially fruitful in unbelievable ways. Unbelievable ways. These principles apply to everyone. They apply to the middle schooler who is getting a $10 allowance every month. It applies to him or her. This applies to the retiree who has a fixed income of $800 a month and is barely making ends meet. This applies to the college student, to the starving college student. I won't make you raise your hand. You know what that's like? This applies to the person who's in the middle of a successful career. It applies to everyone, so don't count yourself out whenever I'm going through these principles. Take them and apply them, and you will become financially fruitful. I'm not promising you you'll become rich. I'm promising you you will be financially fruitful. And so we're going to see what that means here today, starting today. But we're not going to learn it all today. Two more weeks beyond this. But why on earth is it so important for us to talk about this in church and understand it as a Christian? All right? Well, in Luke 16, 11, Jesus tells us why talking about money is so important and understanding money is so important as a Christian, as a believer. It says here in Luke 16, 11, it says, and if you were untrustworthy, in other words, unfaithful, even though I've gotten faithful written up there, unfaithful with worldly wealth, who is going to trust you with true riches, the true riches of heaven? So you're telling me, Steve, that if I can't handle my money, money in a godly way, that God isn't going to entrust me with other things more important and more valuable than money, that's exactly what I'm telling you. This word faithful that I've got up here, faithful has to do with dealing with money as a spiritual matter. Dealing with money, not just as a physical thing. You know, a financial advisor would tell you you need to save money. You need to earn money. You obviously have to spend money. You should be a little bit generous with your money. All these common sense principles, I'm talking beyond all of that. I'm saying every dollar, you look at it, you say, this dollar has a spiritual implication to it. I need to learn how to use this dollar in a spiritual sense. That's what that, that, that verse was talking about, is being faithful with money being faithful, you treating it as a spiritual man, matter. The verse before Luke 16, 11, which would be, what, 16, 10, <laughs> talks about dealing with money, and I haven't, I'm going to show it up here on the screen, but dealing with money either righteously or unrighteously. And that verse says, if you deal with money, small, little things unrighteously, you're going to deal with big things unrighteously. 
And by the way, the little things that that verse is talking about is about your money. The little things in life. Life is all about details. Did you know that? Life is all about you getting into the details of your marriage, of your finances, of your health, of your calling that God has on your life. So it says, if you can't deal with the little things righteously, you're not going to deal with the big things righteously either. So money, one preacher says, money is a trust and money is a test. And we all are tested with money, every single one of us. People who are poverty-stricken are, are tested with money. People who are rich are tested with money. So how we handle our money is going to indicate how we handle our more valuable spiritual assets, like wisdom. God wants to give you wisdom, but if you can't handle money, how can you handle wisdom? God wants you uh, to handle when he gives you direction, he says, go this way, do this thing. If you haven't been handling your money wisely, you're not going to follow God. You see, God tests you with money before he gives you other more important things, such as his direction, such as miracles, such as God's calling on your life. So this week, we're going to ask ourselves, how does God view financial fruitfulness? This is what we're going to get through this week. And next week, I'm going to give you seven steps to position yourself for financial fruitfulness. I'm going to give you seven steps. Do this, do this, do this, do this, and you will be positioned for financial fruitfulness. But the, the third week, which I'm most excited about, is four spiritual principles that will assure financial fruitfulness in your life. Are you guys with me? You ready to start? This is going to be good stuff. I guarantee you, you're going to hear things today that you've never, maybe not today, but in the next three weeks, you're going to hear things you've never heard before. Never heard before. Here we go. How does God view financial fruitfulness? Before we even try to define it, look at this in 1 Timothy 6, 17. I'm going to give you a ton of scriptures today. God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. This is a part of financial fruitfulness. If God gives you, and I'm going to steal from a book that Sister Kay lent me, and I have it today to give it back to you, Sister Kay. This book, this author says, you know what? If you, if you have a peach tree and you pick a peach from the tree, should you go bury the peach and, and make another, another tree? No. Eat the peach first, enjoy it, then take the seed and go plant your tree. God has given you everything in life for your enjoyment. And there's these two extremes. There's this one extreme, and we're going to talk about more next week, of people who are hyper frugal. They wouldn't spend a, a penny or enjoy a penny to save their lives. And let me tell you what, if you do that, you're not going to be financially fruitful. You have to enjoy what God gives you. Enjoy going buying something new sometimes. Enjoy, I won't mention somebody, somebody showed me the, uh, a few, several, actually months ago, bought themselves the coolest belt, the coolest cowboy boots. All right, they were enjoying what God gave them. God has given you everything for your enjoyment. Then on the other side, there's over here the person who just spins, 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 and enjoys too much. <laughs> 
We've got to get to the place where we're somewhere here in the middle to begin to be financially fruitful. But remember this, God wants you to enjoy what you have. He wants you to enjoy. God is not one of these guys that wants you to go to a monastery, give everything away, and live a poverty-stricken life of doldrums and, and boredom and nothing to look forward to. God wants you to enjoy your life. You've got to get this if you're going to be financially fruitful. All right, let's go and look at, at another, another thought here. In Genesis 1.22, God at the time of creation... God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in numbers and fill the waters of the sea. He's talking about animals here, not people. <laughs> fill the waters of the sea and let the birds increase on the earth. From the very beginning, God wanted his creation, including you, to be fruitful. He never intended for you to be dried up and not see the, the result of your work, the result of your effort, he wants you to be fruitful. It goes on. I could give you scripture after scripture after scripture, but I'll just give you a few. In Genesis 13, verses 1 and 2 and 6, he's talking to his good friend Abraham, God is. And he says, so Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything that he had, and Lot, who was his nephew, went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy, in livestock and in silver and in gold, but the land, there was, listen to this, they had so much stuff, Lot and Abraham, they had gathered and accumulated so much that the land that they were living in couldn't support them, so they had to part ways. For their possessions were so great, they were not able to stay together. Did Abraham do that for himself? Did Lot do that for himself? Did Elon Musk become the richest person in the world by himself? No. God can make you incredibly successful and prosperous. He can do it. And honestly, he wants to do it. Unless you're going to take that wealth and misuse it and not be financially fruitful. God, listen to this, God wants and expects you. Say me. Everybody say me me. He wants you to be financially fruitful. Everybody, young and old, retired, in school, it doesn't matter. God wants everybody to be financially fruitful. I'm not saying everybody to be rich. Please don't take me wrong. But he wants everybody to be financially fruitful. John 15, verse 8. Let me give you another couple of thoughts here. This uh, this is Jesus speaking. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God wants you to bear fruit, much more than just financial. He wants you to bear spiritual fruit. He wants you to bear giftings in your life that only you can do. He, he wants to put together a combination of giftings that makes you one in 33 million. He wants you to be fruitful. Don't you stop to think for a minute that God wants you under his thumb and you can't do anything and can't accomplish. It shows that you're his disciple if you're fruitful. It says it right here as I've read. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 and 11. Look at this. This is one that my mom just 
quotes over and over again and blesses me so much. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. He's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound with every good work. Remember when we were pouring that water last Sunday and it was just overflowing? That's how God wants you to be. It's just overflowing with abundance, not just financial abundance, not just material, spiritual abundance, abundant peace, abundant joy, abundant clarity in your mind, abundant direction in your life. God wants you to overflow and be abundant. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Let me ask you a question. Does God want every Christian to be generous? Yeah. He wants every Christian to be generous. I think we can all agree with that. If God wants every Christian to be generous, then he wants every Christian to be enriched in every way so that they can be generous. You see? That's pretty logical. That makes perfect sense with what the Bible's telling us. God wants you to be financially fruitful so that you can be generous on every occasion. Giving freely because you have freely. God expects all his people to be financially fruitful. Look at this. Here's another aspect of financial fruitfulness. And the frugal people in this room will completely agree with what I'm saying here. John 6, 12, Jesus had just fed the 10, fed the 10,000, fed the 5,000 with a couple of fish, five loaves, just a, a little boy's meal is all it was. And Jesus said, take this meal, told his disciples to break it into pieces, and he went and fed 5,000 men, not to mention the women and the children that were there, probably 12, 14,000 people with one person's lunch, and after that was done, Jesus said, and after they'd had enough to eat, they didn't just snack, they'd had enough to eat, they'd enjoyed their meal, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. A financially fruitful person is not going to waste anything. They're not going to just throw their money to the air and spend it. They're going to look for good deals. They're going to try to get sales. They're not just going to spend on the highest, most expensive cars. They're not going to waste their money because they want to be financially fruitful. And we're going to see how important that is in the coming couple of weeks. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that God thinks that wealth is bad? Do you think God thinks that wealth is bad, is wrong, is evil, is a sin? Well, all we have to do is look and see what heaven is going to be like to see if God thinks wealth is good or wealth is bad. So let's look at Revelations 21, verses 15 through 21. An angel is there talking to John, who wrote Revelations, and he has a measuring rod, not of wood, not of metal. He has a measuring rod of gold. <laughs> We're just starting off. I'm going to measure, but I'm going to go ahead and make a tape measure and make it pure gold. All right? He has a measure of gold. He measures the city, the gates, the walls. He describes it there. 
And then in verse 18, the walls are made of jasper. Now, jasper is a precious stone, very expensive. The city is made of pure gold, as of pure glass. The foundations of the city are decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation is jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, emerald, onyx, ruby, so on and so forth, all the way down. Some of these I can't even pronounce. Then there's 12 gates. And these gates are made of a single pearl. Can you imagine the oyster that made the pearl, that made the gate of heaven? It must have been a huge oyster. (laughs) I'm just joking. It was a massive pearl. And there's 12 gates made out of these single pearls. And the streets are made of pure gold. Now you tell me, does God think wealth is bad? No. We think wealth is bad because it makes bad people. But is the wealth itself bad? Apparently not, because God asks for his temple to be built by Solomon in 1 Kings 6, verses 19 through 22. This temple inside is overlaid with pure gold, overlaid. uh, the, The altar is made out of cedar, which was very expensive. The temple is made out of gold, extended with gold chains all across the inner sanctuary, overlaid with gold, overlaid the interior with gold, and he also overlaid with gold the altar. Gold, 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 gold. Does God think wealth is bad? No, he doesn't. What if we overlaid everything with gold here? (laughs) I don't want to do that. I'm just saying... God is, God is the most wealthy person in the universe. He doesn't think wealth is bad. And you've got to get past this obstacle if you're going to be financially fruitful. And stop thinking that money is bad and wealth is bad, because it's not. We're going to see that people using it are bad, but it in and of itself is not then we have Solomon, 2 Chronicles 1, verses 11 through 12. God comes to Solomon, he says, ask for whatever you want to, and I will give it to you. Can you imagine if God came to you and said, I want you right now, tell me whatever you want, and I'm going to give it to you. Just for a second, what would it be? What would you ask for? If you could ask for anything in this world from God, what would it be? Well, Solomon... He was a new king. He was stressed out over governing his country. And so Solomon asked for wisdom. He said, God, I just want wisdom to be able to govern your people, the children of Israel. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for positions or honor. And God said, all right, because you asked for wisdom, I'm also going to give you wealth and possessions. I'm also going to give you wealth and possessions. God doesn't think wealth is bad. In 1 Kings 10, verse 28, King Solomon, he was so wealthy that everybody around him got wealthy, and and silver was as common in Jerusalem as stones or rocks on the road. (laughs) we got to get past this idea that wealth is bad. God, you know what? God wants to use your money to build his kingdom. How do these lights come on? How do we have enough money to pay the rent? How do we, how do, we do that? We do it with money. <laughs> money is required in order to further the kingdom of heaven. There's a missionary over in Africa right now has a compound of four living places, and in the middle he has a generator that's not working, and they have high humidity and high heat. 
I wish we had the money to fund that generator right now. It takes money to push the kingdom of heaven forward. Money. I don't want to be in love with money, but I need money, and you need money to eat and put clothes on, and have clothes on your back and have a place to live. <laughs> Here in, in, the, in the Bible, it says in Haggai 2.8, God says, all the silver is mine, all the gold is mine. It's all God's anyways. It's when we start making it ours that we get into trouble. Psalms 50, verses 10 and 12. God says, all the animals in the forest are mine, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine, the world is mine, and all that is in it is mine. Woo, that takes a lot of stress off of me. I don't have to worry about money then. It's all God's anyways. And he's going to provide for you. He's going to give to you as you need. you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And he just provides and he gives you. He takes care of your needs and he takes care of your wants. All the wealth is God's. Elon Musk believes and Bill Gates and all these people, they believe they have wealth. They don't. It all belongs to God. We're just stewards, you know. In other words, I just handle God's money, but it's not my money. It all belongs to God. So I want to be financially fruitful so that money starts flowing through me, into me and out of me to give to the kingdom of heaven and also to enjoy life. God wants you to enjoy yourself with the resources that God gives you. God doesn't hate wealth. He's the wealthiest person in the whole universe, and everything belongs to him. And I don't have to stress or worry about anything because he's going to provide for my needs. So look at this. There was a, have you ever been in financial trouble before? Sure, everybody. You don't have enough money to make ends meet. Well, there was a lady in the Bible that was in the same situation. She was in such bad shape. Her husband died. And the creditors were coming, and the only thing she had was two sons, and the creditors were going to come take the sons and make them slaves to pay off her debts. Now, that would be stressful. <laughs> One thing's bankruptcy. Another is them taking your family and saying, all right, don't worry about it. I'm going to take your kids. I'm going to enslave them, and they're going to pay off your debts. So this lady went to this prophet named Elisha. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. She had a little bit of olive oil. That's all she had, plus her two sons. A little bit of olive oil. He said, go to your neighbors and ask for jars. And so the boys went knocking on doors. I need some jars. The neighbors would give empty jars thinking, why, why do you need empty jars? But they would take them. And they brought them to the mom, and the mom poured that olive oil into one jar. But the olive oil that she's pouring out of wouldn't go dry. It just kept flowing and flowing and flowing. And finally, the mom said, bring me another one. She, her whole house was just full of jars, full of olive oil. And the boy said, there's, there's none. There's no more jars left in the little town that we live in. But I want to go back and, and point this out. Elisha said to the lady, don't just get a few jars. Get as many jars as you possibly can. But the oil stopped flowing when the lady stopped having jars. <laughs> 
And Elisha said, go take this oil and pay off your debts and you and your son can live on what's left over. Let me tell you what, God's resources are limitless. God doesn't just have all the money, he has endless money. God doesn't just have all the gold and silver, he has limitless gold and silver. And if God were to give me a million dollars, it wouldn't come out of somebody else's pocket. You see what I mean? Just because you have more doesn't mean that someone has less. Because God has limitless resources. He can give you all the money you need while he gives me all the money I need while he gives someone else all the money that they need. God's resources are limitless. One preacher said, it's not a matter of limited supply from heaven. It's a matter of limited capacity. I just don't have enough capacity to take all the blessing. And you don't have enough capacity to take all the blessing that God wants to give you. And you might say, well, that's not been my experience, Steve. I'm a Christian, and I've been in poverty most of my whole life. I would say God wants to change your experience. He wants to change your experience. Just because your past has been that way doesn't mean that your future has to be that way. God wants to change your experience. Isn't that the case with everything? Just because you were a sinner doesn't mean that you have to be a sinner the rest of your life. Your future needs to be different from your past. You can live in abundance, and you should live in abundance. A financial fruitfulness of God's blessings flowing into you and out of you to bless others and to further the kingdom of heaven. There was a, a beggar that was sitting there at the, the, the gate called Beautiful in the New Testament. And he had his head down, and I imagine he had a cup that he'd, he'd hear the, the change, you know, clink as it landed in his cup. But one day, two men walked up to, to this beggar, and they said, look at me. And the Bible doesn't say that they told him to set his cup aside, but I bet they did. Set your cup aside. Because what we have to give you is bigger and can't fit in that cup anymore. God wants you to set your cup aside, your limitations aside, and say, God, give me all that you've got. Give me all that you've got. Change my experience, God. I don't want to live the way that I've been living anymore. I'm going to set my limitations. I'm going to set my cup aside. And Lord, just fill me with all that you have, all your blessings, Lord, because I want to be financially fruitful. Does God want you to be financially fruitful? We've established that, yes, God wants. If you have a glimmer of hope right now, a glimmer of faith, you're saying, you know what, maybe it's true. Maybe it is me. Latch on to that glimmer of hope and that faith and say, that could be me. God wants that to be me. I want to be financially fruitful. I want to be used of God mightily. I want to have all my needs taken care of according to God's riches and glory. So if you have an ounce of hope right now, a glimmer of faith right now, latch on to it. Latch on to it and believe God that that's for you. So set your cup aside because God's provisions are limitless. His supply is endless your capacity is the only problem. Here comes. So stretch yourself. The Bible says, stretch open your tents. Pull them wide. Pull the, the front, the curtains open wide. Stretch your cords long. Knock them in deep 
into the ground because God is going to pour so much blessing into you, you're not going to be able to contain it all. You're not going to be able to contain it all. How does this work? How does this get started? How does this momentum start churning? Well, it's simply in Luke 6.38, a single word, give. (laughs) Give. Oh, giving is the funnest thing in the whole wide world. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. As a grandpa, grandmother, as a, as a mother, father, isn't it fun to see your children open presents on Christmas? Isn't it fun to, see, to give a little bit of money or a, maybe a hamburger to someone on the street and see their face light up? Isn't it wonderful to give? It is. And if you haven't, I encourage you to start that today because here it says, give and it will be given to you. How much? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Where's it going to be poured into? Your lap. Now that's a sight to see. There your lap, you know, God's pouring all this blessing in and you're trying to contain it with your lap and, and it's just running over and pouring over. Why? Because you gave. You gave. That's the secret to getting this momentum going. You say, Steve, I don't have enough money. Surely you can five fifty cents and give it to somebody and start the wheels turning. Just start giving. You say, I don't have any money. You have time. Give your time and God will start blessing you. There was this guy that had quite a bit of money in, in a church that I used to attend to and, and attend at. And, and he said, you know what, Steve? I, I don't have time, but I'll give my money. I'll give my time. I'll give my money instead of my time. And I thought to myself, no, 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 no. People need your time. People need your attention. People need your emotional capacity to help them, to encourage them, to bless them. But give, and it will be given to you, and you won't be able to contain it all. Start the wheel turning today by giving, and mark my words, you're going to start receiving like you've never received before. All right, in in Matthew 6.33, Look at this. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. This is Brother Jimmy's and my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Whose kingdom? Whose righteousness? God's kingdom. God's righteousness. Don't seek your own righteousness. Seek God's righteousness. It's it's a free gift. He makes you righteous. Seek that. And all of these things, these material things that have been spoken about in Matthew 6 and previous verses, all these things will be given to you as well. Why do you have a hard time giving? Because you don't seek God. That's why it's hard to give. If you're stingy and tight-fisted and you don't want to give, here's what you do. Seek God and that tight fist will start loosening up and you'll start giving and then you'll start getting. And then you'll give even more and you'll get even more. And you'll give more And then you'll get more. And it'll start cycling through you like you wouldn't believe. And you're going to enjoy every second of it. Every second of it. Who's this for? I told you. This is for the middle schooler that just has a meager allowance. This is for the retiree with a fixed income. This is for 
the unemployed person. That would be me. Um, <laughs> this is for the person who has a job. This is for everybody. And you can start the minute you walk out those doors, you can start this wonderful momentum going. You could become the next Brother Corn. <laughs> Were you listening when I first started? All right. You could be the next person to be used of God mightily in financial fruitfulness. All right. We're ending up here. Third John. Chapter 1, verse 2, and I think Third John only has one chapter, actually, so it's just verse 2. Beloved, I pray in every way that you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know that your soul prospers spiritually. There's so many things that you can glean from the Scripture, but if you're not doing well financially, why don't you go back to seeking the Lord and start doing well in your soul. Seeking God. Saying, God, I just, I've got to know you more. Start reading your Bible. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you read your Bible this week? <laughs> All right? How many of you, literally, if you didn't read your Bible, you're not going to prosper financially. <laughs> I mean, it might happen, but it'll come from the wrong source. Make it a point to read your Bible virtually every day don't make up excuses oh I can't concentrate my mind wanders I don't know where to start if you don't know where to start get our text every day it tells you where you can start reading your Bible but prosper spiritually first before you try to prosper financially before you even try to prosper in your health Seek God, man. Your spirit will start prospering. Your soul will start prospering. And then other things will start falling in line in your life as well. But I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper. And I looked up this word in the Greek. I'm no theologian, but I looked this word up in the Greek, this prosper word. And it means a profitable path of good fortune. God wants to give you a profitable path of good fortune where things just happen for you. God just blesses you. God things makes just things work out for you. Let me give you an example. I, I think I already gave it, but it's still blessing me, so I'm going to tell it to you again. Our, our, our um, washing machine broke. This code came up, and Tina is a YouTuber extraordinaire. She figures out what you know, you can do to fix things. And she looked it up and this code said, your, <laughs> your uh, washer is fried, basically is what the code meant. You're out of luck, you know. What did Tina do? She laid hands on the washer. She prayed for the washer. She let it rest a little bit until God healed it. And guess what? To this day, our washer is working just fine. <laughs> a, a profitable path of good fortune. God wants you to stop having bad things happen in your life and start having good things in your life. But start sowing into the Spirit. Read your Bible. Talk to Jesus. Pray. Come to church. You're on the right path. Keep doing what you're doing, and you're going to be set on a profitable path of good fortune where the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy is going to follow you all the days of your life. You say, that's not been my experience. Let's change your experience in the name of Jesus and let goodness and mercy start following you all the days of your life. 
God wants you to be financially fruitful. Let me tell you another little secret here. God doesn't want you to fail. Stop thinking that God is against you. He is for you. We sang that song, he is for you. He is for you. He's on your side. He wants to help you get there to where you need to be. Stop thinking that God wants, to fa- wants you to fail. He wants you to win. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to overcome your negative thought patterns and your, your self-hate and whatever you go through. He wants you to get over that. So is wealth dangerous? Here's the last question. Is wealth dangerous? I said, God is not against wealth, but is, is, is wealth dangerous? You bet you it's dangerous. It's super dangerous. Money is like playing with fire. <laughs> That's why it's so important to just give it. <laughs> because then it can't burn you. The faster you give it, it's not going to burn you. So give it away. Get rid of it. Fast, fast, fast. Amen? And then God's going to give you more. You could get, get, get rid of it fast. I got to get rid of this because it can burn you. It can mess you up. It can mess up your life. And it's not just the rich people that get messed up with money. It's the impoverished people because they want it and they don't have it. And that's just as bad as having it and wanting more of it. Money is definitely dangerous. So give it away. <laughs> give it away. And we're going to talk about the balance of that in the coming couple of weeks. But look at this. In 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the root of the cartels, the drug cartels, and the human trafficking, and, the, and all the corruption in governments and, and business. It's the love of money that messes people up. Stop loving it so much. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Look at pierce. Can you imagine getting a big old something sharp something and piercing yourself? If you love money, that's what it's like. It can pierce you. It can mess you up. Money doesn't come from your job. It doesn't come from your employer. It doesn't come from the government. It comes from God. Through your employment, employer, through the government. Look at this last scripture here, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What does that tell us about money? Money is an evil taskmaster that will control your life, mess you up, enslave you, and incarcerate you. The way out is to give it. (laughs) Give your money. Give your money. Use some money to enjoy for yourself, but never hoard money. Never hoard it. It's not good to do that. Where your treasure is, the Bible says, that's where your heart will be. So next week, we're going to talk about seven steps to position yourself for financial fruitfulness. And you're getting the picture what financial fruitfulness is. It's giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving and getting that cycle moving as quickly as possible. And let me tell you what, it works. It works. You will be amazed when you start living in a different realm. And then a week after next, we're going to talk about four spiritual principles that will assure financial fruitfulness that have changed my life and are changing me and my wife's life of how we look 
at how God treats money. So let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for this teaching. That's what it's been. It's a teaching on money. Lord God, biblical-based teaching. Lord, from the wealthiest person in the whole universe, God Almighty. Lord, here in this wonderful book, the book is the Bible, who's always giving us fresh insight, reminding us through the power of the Holy Spirit of what's important and what's not important, of warning us about what can hurt us and harm us, but at the same time showing us that, that Lord, the thing itself wealth is not bad you're wealthy lord god you bless people with wealth in fact you bless people with the ability to make wealth lord jesus but we got to keep our eyes open and we've got to keep our purpose strong our purpose is to further the kingdom of heaven here on earth while we have a few short years of living here on earth money is a test and money is a trust Lord God, and so we pray that we would pass the test of money. Lord, instead of hoarding it and keeping it, Lord, that we begin to use money in a financially fruitful way. And we thank you, God, for opening our minds and our hearts, Lord Jesus, to the way that you want us to handle our money. And we thank you, Lord, for it. In your name I pray. Amen.